Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. So at this time, we're going to continue our worship. And so we do thank God for uh, our worship team. They're so faithful and just uh, being here, serving the Lord and being a blessing uh, to all of us. And so we thank God for them. And so we want to continue our worship by studying God's word and, and asking him to um, help us to understand and receive whatever it is he has for us tonight. And so right now, we want to bow our hearts before him, approach him with a humble heart, a humble attitude, and, and just pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we're living in, because in the midst of this situation, Lord, we know that you are still God, that you are still king, that you are still on your throne, and your throne has not been and never will be vacated. And so we praise your name for that, Lord. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. At all times, Lord, we can never say that enough. We pray, Lord, that you'll give us understanding of your word, that you bless this time of teaching and learning that by your spirit, Lord, you would help to, to till the, the heart soil of our hearts that will be receptive to whatever it is you have to say tonight and whatever it is you desire to do in us. And so, Lord, we pray that you add and strap away, strip away from our lives and from our hearts, whatever you will, if it's going to help us to be more like Christ. If it's going to help us, Lord, to to do the things you would have us to do, Father. And so, Lord, I do pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray that I would decrease and you increase and you be glorified at this time. I pray for the gift of teaching. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are listening, who are viewing on Facebook Live right now. And even those who will be viewing the recording later on on the website, we pray for you right now, Lord. Lord, we pray that, that you'll bless them. Those who are sick, we pray that you would heal them. Those who are fearful, we pray, Lord, that you would encourage them and help them to be perfected in your love. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's turn to, or if you have a device there you're using, click to, swipe to, Mark chapter 1. And we're going to spend time in verses 21 through 31. And the title of tonight's message is, After the Fever is Gone. After the Fever is Gone. Now, in our previous lesson, we saw Jesus call four fishermen. He called Peter, also known as Simon, Andrew, his brother, and James and John. And those two, of course, are brothers. They're the sons of Zebedee. And he called all of them to full-time ministry. And so these men, of course, after Jesus called them, They left their profession, and of course, they followed Jesus. And tonight, we're going to continue our study in the action-packed gospel according to Mark. And we're going to see the ultimate servant, speaking of Jesus, at work in the lives of a couple of people in our study. And so we want to look at Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, and we're going to see what the Lord has for us tonight. The word of God says, then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And in verse 22, it says, and they were astonished. In other words, they were amazed at Jesus's teaching For he taught them as one having authority 
and not as the scribes. And the scribes were experts in the law of Moses. They would help to interpret the law, to tell people what the law means. And so here they are in Capernaum, this city of Galilee, which was located on the northwest coast of the Sea of Galilee. And there the scriptures tell us that Jesus went into a synagogue and he taught. He taught the word of God. And so speaking of a synagogue, I feel it necessary to kind of describe or define what that is. A synagogue is consistent mostly of Jews, of an assembly of Jews and They were formally gathered together to offer prayers and listen to the reading and teaching of the word of God, of the scriptures. And they only had what we know to be the Old Testament at that point. And so they were gathered in this place, in this synagogue to worship the Lord, to to learn about the scriptures And in the synagogues, by the way, animal sacrifices were not practiced there. That was for the temple. And so I just wanted to clarify that. But as you notice in these verses, in in verses 21 and 22, we see an area of authority that Jesus had. And And as we continue with this study, we're going to see at least three areas in which Jesus has authority. And so, again, just in verses 21 and 22 alone in Mark chapter 1, we see that Jesus had authority and has authority in his teaching. And that's no surprise because Jesus, of course, is God. And since he's God, Jesus knows what he's talking about. And so authority in his teaching is what he has. But the scribes, on the other hand, they would often quote rabbis or teachers in in their teachings. And so they ended up relying on other authorities. And so when they heard Jesus teach, they noticed that his teachings was different. He didn't quote from this or that rabbi or from another source or authority, but he, he spoke with authority as if it were his word, which it is. He is God. And so the, the, we don't have time for example, for, for maybes or I think this is what it is, what it's, what it's saying. I, I, I feel that this is right or wrong. I, I feel that this is what the scriptures are saying. We don't, we don't need the maybes or feelings. We don't need opinions when it comes to the scriptures. We want to hear what the people in that synagogue heard. We want to hear the word of God. We want to hear truth from the authoritative teaching of the word, the living word that is Jesus Christ. No time for maybes. You see, Jesus' word, his teachings is, is something we can rely on. It's something that we can take to the bank, something that we can cash. We can depend on his word, the word of God. You see, what we believe on this side of eternity will determine if we will experience life or death, that is spiritual life, eternal life, or eternal death separated from God in hell. See, the scriptures teach us that it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. So after this life, there is no other chance to receive Jesus Christ into our lives. There's no other chance to repent of our sins and and turn to God in faith. No, we get one chance appointed unto us once to die. And after that, the judgment, that's all. And so we, we can't deal with maybes. 
We can't deal with the opinions of men. We, we need something we can hang our hats on. We need the truth. We need the authoritative teaching of the word of God. Just the way Jesus taught it in the scriptures here in Mark 1 verses 21 and 22. We need something that will give us life. We, we need something, as the scriptures tell us, that would, that would clean up our way of life. We need something that will revive us, that, something that is more valuable than earthly riches. Those are things that we need. We need something that is unchangeable. The word of God that the scriptures tell us is settled in the heavens. It is unchangeable. That's what we need. We need something that is a, a lamp to our feet. And the scriptures tell us in Psalm 119, we need something that is also a light to our path. In other words, the, the word of God being a lamp unto our feet shows us where we're standing right now. Shines a light on our lifestyle right now. Where we are now. Where are our feet planted? That's what the word of God shows us as a lamp to our feet, but it's also a light to our path. It shows us which way we ought to be going in, the way we ought to be walking. And so that's what we need. We don't need the, you know, people and bringing their opinions, bringing the philosophy of man, trying to use po political strategies to, to solve spiritual issues. That's not what we need. We need an authoritative teaching of the word of God, which we can have, which we can do even as a church if we would just stick to the Bible. Now moving on to verses 23 and 24, we're, we're still in Mark chapter 1. It says, now, now there was a man in their synagogue, their, their place of meeting and gathering. There was a man and, and he had an unclean spirit. Luke chapter 4 tells us that it was a spirit of an unclean demon. So we're talking about a demonic spirit who was inside of a man within a synagogue, this place where, where Jewish people were meeting to worship the Lord and learn about the scriptures. There was a man with a demon within him. And he cried out saying, let us alone. This is the demon crying out. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? The New Living Translation says, why are you interfering with us? Did you come to destroy us? The demon is asking, I know who you are the Holy One of God. And so that, that goes along with the scripture in, in James 2.19. And that scripture tells us that even the demons believe and tremble. And just to read that verse in its entirety, it says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Good job. Hand clap, pat on the back for you. You believe that there's one God. But guess what? Just like we saw in these verses in 23 and 24, even the demons believe and tremble. These fallen angels who've been persuaded to, to go on to the side of Satan or the devil, they even believe and, and they tremble. But this scripture here in James 2.19 reminds us that just having a head knowledge or an intellectual belief that there is a God. Just by having a head knowledge or an intellectual belief that Jesus is Savior, that's not enough. The question is, have you from the core of your being put your trust in that fact? that there is a God and that this God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do we just have an intellectual or head knowledge of that 
Or have we trusted that fact? Have we put our faith and trust in this Savior from the very core of our being? Not just a head knowledge. Have you received him as your personal Savior? Yes, he is Savior. Yes, he made the world, he made sinners savable. But have you personally received him as your Savior? Have you appropriated this gift of salvation by repentance and and, and putting your faith in Jesus Christ? You see, the believing or the faith that really matters is the one that has actions that matches. The one that has corresponding actions. And that's the teaching you'll get if you continue to read in James chapter 2. That I can, I can show you my faith by my works. Because a lot of people can talk a good game. Oh, I have faith. Oh, I believe, but the actions do not correspond with the faith that they say they have. And so that's what you'll get in James chapter 2. You'll learn that, that a real faith, a real trust in Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the Bible will have actions that will match up with that. Otherwise, you'll be like one of the demons who believe and yet tremble. And again, we see that here. They knew who Jesus was, who he is, the Holy One of God. In verses 25 through 28, it says, but Jesus rebuked them. Jesus rebuked the demon. And he said to the demon, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him, it it shook the man violently and cried out with a loud voice. That demon came out of that man who was in that synagogue Then they, all the people who were there, were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? What new teaching is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirit. With authority, he even commands the demons. And guess what? And they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. And so continuing with pointing out these areas of authority that Jesus has that that we find in this lesson, we we see the second area of authority that Jesus has. And so that second area is over demons. See, first of all, he told the demon to be quiet. And guess what? That demon shut up. He stopped talking. See, Jesus did not need, neither did he want that demon to testify of who he is. That demon was not on Jesus' team. And so he didn't need the testimony of a demon. And so he told that demon to be quiet. And that demon obeyed and and was quiet. But then we also saw that he told the demon to come out of that man, commanded the demon to do an action, come out of that man. And of course, that demon did that. And so the people marveled. Wow, even the, the demons obey Jesus. Now, as we're talking about uh, demon possession, it's appropriate that, that we talk about a, a topic, speaking of uh, demons and, and Christians. There's some people who think that demons can possess Christians or believers, and, and they cannot. If it's a true believer, demons cannot possess a believer. However, they can't oppress Christians. They can, they can bully some Christians, and that's if we allow them to because they're really powerless. Jesus disarmed the enemy, and so they, they have a gun, so to speak, with no bullets. But some of us, we give in 
to fear. We give in to the tactics and the tricks of the enemy. And so sometimes they, they can oppress us or bully us, but once again, they cannot possess believers. And so to, to get us on the route to this point, to, to prove in this point that, that believers cannot be possessed by demons, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. It says, in him, that's in Jesus, you also trusted. You trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, that is, having believed in Jesus, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And so that word guarantee there in in verse 14 is down payment. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. He is the down payment of what we will inherit and what we have inherited in Christ, as believers, as children of God. So that's what the Holy Spirit is. And, and he'll be there until the redemption of the purchased possession. The scriptures tell us that Jesus purchased us with his blood. Purchased us with his blood. He redeemed us. And so the Holy Spirit is our down payment until that that time our bodies will be delivered from this from this current state see right now we we have bodies that get sick bodies that decay bodies that have pain and on top of that we still have a sin nature even as believers But then that final stage of deliverance or salvation is going to take place one day. And that is the redemption of the purchased possession. That is the redemption or deliverance of our bodies to where now eventually we'll receive our glorified bodies. No more sin nature. No more pain. No more weakness. No more uh, getting tired. Bodies that will be built for eternity and dominated by the spirit. So they'll be spiritual bodies. And so one thing I want to talk about as well, because we talked about the Holy Spirit being our down payment, is I want to go back to verse 13, where it says that after we have believed that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, a seal could be made of stone, it could be made of metal or some other hard material. And something like like a figure would be engraved on that stone, metal, or hard material. It'll be engraved on it, and then sometimes it will be set in a ring. And then this seal will be used to make an imprint on, on a soft substance like clay or wax. And then, of course, that clay or wax with that imprint on it will be attached to a document or some type of object. And that seal that is in that clay or wax that is attached to that document or or object, it, it showed the authenticity of that document. In other words, it it was like a signature that it was really from that person, really from that, that king. This is their signature. This is their seal. And, and so a seal can show, number one, the authenticity of something, a document or an object. But also a, a seal can be used to provide security of something, like a scroll, for example. And so the scroll will be rolled up, that, that wax will be on it, and it will be sealed. And then only the person that scroll was meant for will be able to open it. And so it, it, it sealed or secured the contents within that scroll. And so, again, it could be used, that seal could be used 
uh, to prove the authenticity of something, the realness of something, in other words. Used to secure something. But it could also be used as a mark of ownership. And so as they saw that imprint on that clay or seal, or, or not seal, but on that wax, then they would see, oh, this, this belongs to the king or this belongs to this figure, this person. And the scriptures tell us in Ephesians 1, uh, 13 and 14, it tells us that's, that that's what the Holy Spirit's presence does within the believer. The Holy Spirit is our seal. He is a seal that, that proves the authenticity of our faith, that we really are children of God. He is our seal of security. You are secure in Christ. And the Holy Spirit, of course, is our mark of ownership. Now, notice what the scripture says in, in Ephesians 1. That he's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Until that that final stage of salvation. And so the Holy Spirit is always with us. He's always indwelling us. He is our seal. He is our down payment. Until we receive our glorified body. So now just to get back to our point of believers not being possessed by demons. And that's not possible. Is that if we're a true believer and the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit is is with us forever. And the Holy Spirit is our seal and and down payment or guarantee. You're going to tell me that a demon is strong enough to overpower the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit is God. When, when can that happen? How is that possible? It's not. But of course, as I mentioned earlier, they can oppress us. And we can rely on the power of God to, and ask him to lift that oppression. If any of you are being oppressed, if you're being bullied by the enemy, You have the Holy Spirit within you right now. You have power within you right now. You need to plug in to that power. You need to tap in to that authority that you have been given in Christ Jesus. It's not your own authority, but it's the authority. Once again, you have in Christ Jesus via the Holy Spirit, our power source. Ask the the Lord to lift that oppression of the enemy if you're being oppressed this evening. But there's something else I wanted to point out in verses 23 through 28. And I wanted to point out in case you missed it, that, that, that demons are bold enough. This demon was bold enough to, to enter into a place of worship. Bold enough. And so don't be surprised if, if the enemy, if demons show up at, at church every once in a while. And so just like the, the people in that synagogue had Jesus there, guess what? We need Jesus in the church. We need his lordship within the church today. Because there are many people who gather, many local churches who gather in the name of Jesus in buildings. And some people who gather within those buildings, some of them are genuine believers, are are saved. But there's some who are not genuine believers. They're not saved. And, And that's just the reality. Jesus even talked about the wheat and the tares, the tares being the the false wheat. They look like wheat, but they're really not the real thing. And, And we have that in the church today, in the visible church, meaning in the building today. So yes, some churches, as they leave Jesus outside, saying they don't want his lordship, Oh, those demons will be bold enough to come in and and many times have their way within those local churches. And just to prove that point that that some churches would would indeed leave Jesus outside and and have left him outside, I want to turn to Revelation. 
Last book of the Bible, Revelation 3, verse 20. Now, in Revelation 3, Jesus is speaking to the Laodicean church. This is known as the lukewarm church. They're neither cold nor hot for the Lord. And I want you to notice where Jesus is. Where is his position at this church? Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and, and dine with him and he with me. Now, why is Jesus outside of his own church knocking? Why is Jesus outside of a church that, that has his name on the church? A, a church that has a cross standing up outside of the building. Why is Jesus outside of the church? And, and he says, he's appealing to people, he's inviting people. He says that he'll, he'll come into the life of, of any individual in that church who hears his voice and, and opens the door and he will have intimate fellowship with that person. Jesus wants to have intimate fellowship with each and every one of us. So if you've been playing church, you've been coming to the visible church and you have left Jesus on the outside of the door of your heart. It's, it's time to stop playing with Jesus and, and open up the door of your heart and allow him to come in. Or, or maybe you, you go to a church, a, a local church, and you're playing with Jesus. You're, all you're talking about is material wealth. And, and all you're talking about is how you're going to gain things and, and so forth. And you forget to talk about Jesus. You, you forget to talk about the fact that, that he came and died for the sins of the world. You, 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 you claim to raise your hands and lifting them up high to Jesus. But the question is, what are you celebrating? Do you know why we celebrate Jesus? You see, we have to talk about sin. We have to talk about death. We have to talk about hell if we're going to truly celebrate Jesus. We're going to understand the fact of, of why he is Savior and why he wants to be our personal Savior and Lord. But that baffled me. And, and the other day as I was studying, it actually got me choked up and, and, and made me cry a little bit. Because here is Jesus standing outside of his own church. And, and I'm realizing in many local churches today, Jesus is outside of the church knocking. And so what we have here is that there is not a lordship of Jesus in some local churches. Therefore, there are some local churches that are not experiencing or operating in the authority that is available in Jesus Christ. And so when those churches, demons feel comfortable showing up. Demons feel comfortable doing their thing. And people feel comfortable in their sin because we left Jesus outside the door. We, we left Jesus' lordship outside the door of the church. And so no, 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 no uh, matter or, or no wonder, no wonder the enemy is just having his way within many Local churches. No wonder. Verses 29 and 31 through 31, it says, Now as, as soon as they, that is Peter, Andrew, James, and John, had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John, but, but Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever. Luke 4.38 says it was a high fever. Leave it up to Dr. Luke to be specific with that. And they, and they told him about her immediately or at once. Luke 4.38 also says that, or it puts it this way, that they made request of Jesus concerning Peter's mother-in-law, who has a fever. And so Jesus came and took her by the hand and, and he lifted her up and immediately the fever left her. And Luke 4, 39 gives us more insight. It says that Jesus stood over her and rebuked her. 
or sorry, rebuked the fever. So Jesus stood over her and rebuked the fever. And if you put that together with verse 31, he also took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she served them or waited on them. And so now after leaving the synagogue, this place where the Jews gathered to worship, Simon and Andrew brought Jesus into their home in Capernaum. And the question I have for all of us today that that we really need to think about is after we leave the building, after we leave the place where we come together and worship, are we bringing Jesus home with us? Or do we stop talking about Jesus the moment we get home? Do we look like we serve Jesus or Jesus has authority and the lordship over our lives when we're at work or when we're in church? But the minute we get home, it it doesn't look like he's the Lord of our lives. It, It doesn't look like he's sitting on the throne of our hearts the moment we get home. But notice that 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 Peter and Andrew, they brought Jesus home after the service. And in Simon and Andrew's home, Jesus showed a third area over which he has authority. And so that third area we find out in this lesson about the authority Jesus has is over sickness. We see that he healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. And one source states, although a fever technically It's any body temperature above the normal of 98.6 degrees. In practice, a person is usually not considered to have a significant fever until the temperature is above 100.4 degrees. And so what we have in a fever is the body temperature being above normal. And of course, those of us who have been sick before and, and even as many people are experiencing today, there, there are other symptoms that come along with the fever. And it could include, of course, chills and, and headaches, body aches, and, and just physical weakness. I remember one time I had a fever sometime last year, and I, I remember leaving the church and driving home. And it was at and it was at night. I remember that my chills were so bad that my teeth were were chattering. And so that's just one of the side effects of a fever, and it's of course uncomfortable. And so no doubt with, with this fever, Peter's mother-in-law was out of commission and, and weak and was probably experiencing those headaches. And, and no doubt Peter's mother-in-law was in no mood for guests at this time. But yet and still Simon or, or Peter and his brother Andrew, they yet and still brought Jesus there along with James and John. And as we see in our lesson tonight, after the fever left her, after the fever left Peter's mother-in-law through Jesus' healing touch, one thing I want you to notice tonight is Peter's mother-in-law's response. Notice her response after the fever left her. The scriptures tell us that she served Jesus and his disciples and his followers. She served Jesus and Simon, Andrew, James, and John. There's many of you out there who have been healed of the fever of sin. And that fever of sin, of course, keeps a person in a spiritually debilitating or weakened state. And many of you can remember your response when the Lord gave you his touch, when you repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ and you experienced his touch. 
You remember him lifting you up and, and all of a sudden you were on fire for the Lord and you wanted to serve and you came to church and perhaps Calvary Chapel of Queen Creek and you asked for that ministry application and you were a little disappointed because we said that, oh, you have to wait six months and we have a background clearance and, and we can see the disappointment in some of your faces because that's some guidelines that we do have in place to wait six months before serving in a ministry. But I can see that some of you are on fire and we really do appreciate that. And I know that six months period can take a long time. But what you experience there is, is the fact that the Lord had lifted you up out of that fever of sin. And now you have life in Christ Jesus. And so all you want to do is serve him. Just like Peter's mother-in-law wanted to serve him. And so many of us have experienced that. And I praise God for his grace that those of us, although there's very few of us in here, those of us on the worship team and I'm teaching. And then we have a brother back there, uh, Joseph in the sound booth, working the videos. Thank God that by God's grace, that God has lifted us out of our fever of sin and has given us eternal life as well. But guess what? There are some other fevers that we face. And the question is, how will we respond after those fevers are gone? See, right now we are facing the you know, this pandemic, the coronavirus, and I know you heard it over and over. You see it on TV. You, you, you look at the internet. You see the stories. You, you hear it from many pastors and teachers and friends and family. And so it's no secret that, that, that right now that, hey, everybody's aware pretty much that we're facing this coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19 and of course, COVID-19 or, or this coronavirus could bring on a, a literal fever. And this fever, of course, is debilitating physically, mentally, and even emotionally. And even people who don't even have COVID-19 or the coronavirus have been crippled by this fever, so to speak, through fear. But after, after this fever of COVID-19 is gone, the question I have for all of us tonight is, how will we respond? Will we respond like Peter's mother-in-law? Will we get up out of our sickbed and, and serve Jesus? Will we get up out of our sickbed and, and serve others in Jesus' name? When this fever of COVID-19 is gone, are we going to sit there comfortably, lay there, lie there comfortably in our sin? Are we going to continue to, to lay in our bed of apathy, not caring about the spiritual things of God? How will we respond when this fever of COVID-19 is over? And then looking in another area other than this coronavirus, because it's obvious that's what we're experiencing today. That's the fever, literally, we're experiencing today. But then there's some challenges in our lives. And many of these challenges existed in many of our lives before this coronavirus pandemic. And so these challenges it's what I would say for the sake of tonight's lesson are also fevers. Whatever those challenges may be in your life, there's some fevers right now you're, you're still experiencing. And right now, although we may be going through this pandemic of those challenges in our lives, those other fevers, if you will, in our lives, some of us are saying the right things. Lord, if you would get us out of this mess, I will fill in the blank. Lord, if you will just do this for me, I will never say this again. Lord, if you would get us out of this mess, if you would lift us up out of this fever, I will pray 10 times a day. I will make sure I don't miss another devotion or another service. But after this fever of this challenge in our life is over, how will we really respond? 
And what we're going to see when, this, when the fever is over, whether it's the COVID-19 or the, the fever of the challenges in our lives, when, when, what we're going to see are a couple of responses once our personal fevers are over. We're going to see some people go about life as if they learned absolutely nothing from the fever that they've been experiencing this fever of this pandemic, the, the fever of their challenge, whether it's a financial struggle or some type of mental or emotional struggle that, that the Lord lifts them out of. But then, getting still after that fever is gone, some will still go about life as if they learn absolutely nothing. They'll continue to have the same old lifestyle continue to have the same non-biblical worldview, continue to refuse to repent, make a 180 and turn from sin and turn towards God. Some people are still going to refuse to repent even after they have seemingly be, been lifted out of their fever, after they have gotten what they've asked for, after they made all of these promises and vows still refuse to repent, still refuse to, to walk according to God's way, still refuse to be grateful. And so that's response number one that we'll see after the fever is gone. And, and after the fever is gone, others will respond with a new attitude. Others will respond with gratitude, in other words, there's some who are going to respond by, by not letting their fever experience go to waste. In fact, they're going to have the mindset of, of, of Psalm 116 verse 12. In Psalm 116 verse 12, it says, what shall I render? What shall I give, in other words, to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? And so after the fever is gone, you're going to, again, have some people who are not going to change. Some people who are not going to go about life differently according to God's ways. But then again, you're going to have some people with this mindset, with, with gratitude and a, and a new attitude. Lord, you have answered my prayer. Lord, you have lifted this fever from me. Lord, you have been gracious toward me. And so, Lord, I have this attitude now of, of what shall I give you for all of your benefits? What shall I give you for answering my prayers? What shall I give you for lifting me out of this mess? And so some are going to have that attitude, and some of you have it right now. And for some of you, what you're going to give the Lord for all of his benefits, for the fact that he's lifted you out of your fever. Some of you are going to say, Lord, from this point on, I will live for you, and you're actually going to begin to live for the Lord right now, even before the fever is gone. And it's going to continue after the fever is gone. And some of us, after the fever is gone, we're going to begin to, to, to love people a little more. To have that determination to love people with the love of Jesus just a little bit more than we used to. That one person we thought was unlovable. Oh, now we're going to demonstrate the love of Christ to them after the fever is gone. Lord, what shall I render to you for, for all of your benefits toward me? How, how about rendering this? How about instead of complaining, for those of us who found ourselves being complainers, especially recently, how about we render to the Lord thanks? Instead of complaining that, that, oh, I can't do this anymore or I'm hindered from doing that right now or it's been so long before I went to this place or I don't have this, God, and I prayed so long for it, God. How about having an attitude of thanks and getting rid of the complaining? How about responding in that way? How about rendering that to the Lord for lifting us out of the fever? I'm talking about after the fever is gone. 
But again, you don't have to wait till afterwards. You can, you can start that right now instead of complaining, giving thanks. And, and instead of living for ourselves, living for him right now, living for his glory, living to honor him. And so what is your response going to be after the fever is gone, after this pandemic is gone, after the, the fever of your life is gone? And if you are blessed right now, and I, and, I, and I hope you're blessed to receive Christ in your life right now, if you're not saved, if you never put your trust in him, how is life going to be after you receive Christ? Are you going to serve him like Peter's mother-in-law did when she was lifted from her fever? And as we call the worship team up, I'm going to say this. Because maybe there's, there's some of you out there who you're like, oh, that, that's a, irrelevant to me. I've already made the decision to receive Christ. I've, I've already been lifted up and saved from this fever of sin and I already have eternal life. And, and maybe there's some of you who already made up your mind to, to serve the Lord, to to be grateful, to be thankful for who God is and all he has done thus far for what he's going to do. You've already made up your mind to be that way, to do those things even before the fever is gone. So maybe you're in that position. And if you're in that position, I just want to share with you that as a believer and as all of us as believers. We have an opportunity to be like those four disciples, those four disciples in our lesson tonight, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who went to the Lord and made a request on behalf of Peter's mother-in-law, who was experiencing this fever. Check it out in Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 30. So again, if you made up your mind even now before the fever is gone to serve the Lord, to, to, to be better and not bitter, you already made that decision right now. Go to the Lord as, as believers in the name of Jesus. Go to God the Father on behalf of our nation on behalf of our state, on on behalf of our city, on behalf of our community, on behalf of our family and co-workers and friends and associates. Go to the Lord on behalf of them. Just like those disciples went to the Lord on behalf of Peter's mother-in-law. And ask the Lord to help lift them out of their fevers of COVID-19 and sin. And their challenges. Even right now in the midst of their fevers. In other words, as believers, I'm, I'm encouraging you and, and myself also to, to take them. Nation and friends, family, so forth. All of those areas and people that I mentioned. Take them before the one who can lift them out of that fever into a life of service and a life of glorifying the one who matters most, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord those of us who have had the opportunity to receive Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that you love us so much, Lord. We we don't even know how much you love us, really. The, the, The best picture of your love for us is the fact that you sent Jesus Christ, 
your only begotten son, God in the flesh, to die for our sins while we were yet sinners. That's the best picture of your love that we have. And what a picture that is. But I can imagine, Lord, that there is a depth of your love for us that we can't even understand. And for that, for those of us who've been complaining lately, for that, we ought to be thankful. And Lord, I do lift up our nation. I do lift up our state. I do lift up our family members, Lord. We pray, Lord, for spiritual awakening and revival in our country. We pray for spiritual blinders to be lifted from the people we know and love who right now are going to hell without Jesus. And so we lift them up to you, Lord that you would draw them to repentance and to Jesus. And if there's anyone out there who have not made that decision to make Jesus Christ your personal Savior and Lord, I'd like to lead you in a prayer And would ask you to repeat it only if you mean it from the very core of your being, from your heart. The scriptures tell us in in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God, that it's God the Father, has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a promise. And I can say that with authority because that is the word of God. And I trust his word. And so if, if you truly believe right now that Jesus is the way to salvation, that he's the son of God, that he died for your sins, that God the Father raised him from the dead, that he's alive right now, I'll lead you in prayer. Oh God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gospel about Jesus Christ. The good news about Jesus dying in my place on the cross and being raised from the dead to live forevermore. And God, I realize, I acknowledge, I confess that I am a sinner and that I have offended you. And I pray that you will forgive me of all my sins and I receive Jesus Christ into my heart right now. And I thank you for allowing me to be your son or your daughter. Help me from this point on to serve you to honor you the way you want me to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'd like to thank you once again for joining us. We continue to uh, solicit your prayers. Continue to give each other a call or send a text. Check up on each other. And again, be on the lookout for um, future communications about our upcoming services, which, again, those dates that you'll see in our, in our um, future communications will, are, are tentative.
And so again, if you have not subscribed uh, to receive those emails, you can go on to calvaryqueencreek.org, type in your email address and, and go from there. And if you need prayer, um, you can also go to that same website on the, web, on the homepage, calvaryqueencreek.org. You can fill out the form at the bottom of the page if you need prayer. Or maybe you receive Christ tonight. And I want to first say welcome to the family of God if you have. But you go into that website and you can, again, fill out that form. Let us know that you receive Christ. And, and if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll be more than happy to send you a Bible and the packet that goes along with it. So again, we have our worship team here. They're going to lead us in, in one more song. And again, we'd like to thank God for them. So we love you. God bless you. May God keep you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.